Absolutely. I got no. Oh, I got one button undone currently. Um, welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. Uh, this will be our eleventh episode. Fantastic! It's great to see you all again. And uh, I guess we'll go around the table. We have a new member in the clubhouse tonight. Uh, fantastic to see. Uh, so I'll start with myself, the Troop Scout leader, Dustin Lazelbeev. To my right, as always. I'm the historian, Denim Smoking Dart. And across from the Smoking Dart, you have myself. My name's Miles. I'm the Keeping It Real consultant. And just quickly, the tip of the spear, he's, he's not here um, today. He's actually, if you're wondering, he's driving his van um, to Kenosha, Wisconsin, currently for van stock. So he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be at Van Stock, for and it's that's exactly what it sounds like. So he's he's gonna be away for a little bit, and uh, yeah, it's thank you, Chief Runs with Bins. <laughs> thank you, Chief Runs with Bins. Uh, I just wanted to uh, introduce our new member. His hello, I'm Elder Little Pond, creative consultant, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for coming. He took a big boat ride over for over the uh, Little Pond from the big city, and is yes. joining us. Uh, thanks again. We've definitely called on you for some creative consulting in the past, and your your words here are very valued. So it's nice to have you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is Nathan. We've uh, we've we've, we've spoken yeah. to him before. Can we give him just a little uh, round table? Wimatanya as a welcome. Wimatanya. All right, that feels good. All right, let's uh, let's uh, kick this off. Let's get the straight arrow oath going. So, historian? All right. So, um, if you're in scout uniform, give us a three-finger salute. And if you're in civilian clothes, hands over your heart. And a straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow never practices with a plastic head. And a straight arrow is always against Bill HR 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get another round table? Wima Tanya? Wima Tanya! All right, cheers around the clubhouse. Feels good. So, like I said, meeting 11, episode 11. And now let's hear our 11th show notes from the historian. Take us away. So, this is season one still, episode 11. Plastic White Female. It was written by David Zuckerman and directed by Jeff Myers. Dave Zuckerman, or David Zuckerman, has four other King of the Hill writing credits, including Halloween from season two, mm. which is a banger. Uh, he's best known for being the co-creator with Seth MacFarlane on Family Guy. Um, he's also been a writer on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, American Dad, and Wilfred. Um, Jeff Myers, who directed this episode... He's, a, like, a long-time King of the Hill director. He has 11 credits under his belt, including Texas City Twister. Besides m spending most of his career with King of the Hill, he has also worked on The Simpsons, Rocco's Modern Life, and Rugrats. I also noticed, um, besides Halloween and uh, the episode we're talking about, he did Leanne's Saga yeah. and The Spank with Love, which are just all great episodes. I really wish he didn't leave to go to a lesser animated show, but I guess that's the it way it goes. It worked out for him. Yeah. I mean, it worked out for him. Yeah, he's doing well. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, just moving right on into the synopsis for the episode. Joseph is throwing a co-ed party and informs Bobby there's going to be kissing. Never having kissed a girl, Bobby practices on a plastic head Luann was given for beauty school. 
And I before we get started talking about uh, the cold open here. Yeah, let's hear a little bit from uh, our little pond. From let's hear a little from Nathan here. Yeah, so uh, he's brought in a, a little something special to start off the episode. Uh, I want to bring us to a little segment we're going to call Little Ponds Ponders. <laughs> Okay, hello, thanks for having me. Welcome to Little Ponds Ponders. Um, so I got a few trivia questions for you guys. I'm afraid they're a little bit too easy, but I'll ask them anyway. Well, yeah, we okay. still want to hear them. So who wants to go first? Uh, are we going to do, are you going to ask a question we'll all guess, or do you want to do one by one? So yeah, how's this going to work? Okay, I'll go, uh, I'll go to Miles first, and then I'll go to Dustin, then I'll go to Dan. Okay. Okay, so. I'm ready. Lay it on me. What kind of lunchbox does Bobby have? I believe that is a Mrs. Doubtfire lunchbox, which I was really happy to see. That is just too funny. That is correct. Nice. All right. All right. I feel like I can participate okay. because... What city does oh, Peggy no. suggest moving to because they are far more tolerant than Texas? Berlin. Yes. Nice. Score. Hey, Denim. What song is playing during the montage of Bobby and the head spending time together? That would be Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys. From one of my favorite albums of the 60s, Pet Sounds. It is a great album. I believe you've got more questions, one each. One each more for us. Okay. <laughs> that works. That's okay. Although I do have a bonus question that I don't know the answer to, but I would like to know the answer. So I'll ask I'll Bonus ask points. Nice. Okay, so what kind of soda does Bobby drink with the head? Grape soda. Correct. Sorry, there was no diet. <laughs> okay, wait, when Hank was Bobby's age, he was so girls... <laughs> when Hank was Bobby's age, he was so girl crazy, his friends called him what? Oh, uh, the Ricardo Montalban. And do you know who that is? He is an actor. He is di he died in 2006, I think. 2009. <laughs> but that's yeah. correct. Okay, and then um, my bonus question I don't actually know the answer to is, what song is playing when John Redcorn picks up Nancy at the beginning of the episode? Oh, I just heard it. Uh, oh, I wonder what it is. Miles, what is it? Okay, I know. <laughs> I, I know what it is. It is Rock Me by Great White, 1987. Yeah, <laughs> He's just got the best tunes every time yeah. he comes around. He's like the coolest guy in town. I mean, yes. yeah, get it going. I okay. thought it was a Scorpion song, so I kept looking up Scorpion. Okay, that's a, that's a great segue for me, Nate, and a, a little continuum of what I've been doing uh, for John Redcorn. So um, in the episode, we see him dropping off Nancy in his tan Jeep Wrangler. No speaking role again. No speaking role because, of course, we found out what we talked about earlier, that the tragic passing of Victor Aaron happened after he had only voice recorded two episodes, and they had not brought in Jonathan Joss yet until the second season. So we see him, and he just gives a wave, but he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. So if you remember from the pilot episode, John Redcorn shows up blasting hot-blooded by <laughs> Foreigner. Yeah. So keeping in tune with this hair metal with very sexually suggestive <laughs> lyrics, we see him today listening to Rockby by Great White, circa 1987. Now I'll just recite a few quick lyrics from that song <laughs> to get, you know, to let you know how it goes. <clears throat> Before the morning light, we'll burn with love tonight. And when your man don't care, I will be there. <laughs> 
still be loving real good love. If there is no wrong or right, we'll burn with love. That's great, White. <laughs> Rock me. Uh, I love that line about when your men don't care, I'll be there. <laughs> so yeah, thanks a lot for that. I, I love the little tidbits about John Redcorn. And th- thanks for the thanks for preparing our uh, quiz there, Nate. Yeah, that's a fun little addition to the episode. So I guess we should get going with the cold open, right? Yeah. Bob, Bobby and Joseph are uh, they're playing Star Trek of some kind, I guess, but they're just. Yeah, they're spitting on cars. They're photon cannons. Photon cannons. They're spitting on cars, and Joseph informs Bobby of a boy-girl party coming up. Which, I mean, I was kind of expecting, usually cold opens, they end with, like, a pretty solid joke, but this was literally just, like, the setup. The gulp, yeah. was it that funny? You guys giggle? I didn't giggle. Um, I th- Well, I mean, the Star Trek bit might have been a little funny. I mean, it wasn't funny, but, like, it really, like shows how nervous Bobby is, so I think it was important. I left that he asked Joseph if there was going to be cake at this party. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the first thing on his mind. He goes, no, this party is going to be different. There's girls there. Do you guys remember your first boy-girl party? I think I do, and I think you were there too, Denim. Probably. You might have to remind me, because I was trying to rack my brain. Like, I know I can think of a lot of, like, pinnacle ones, but I don't remember, like, the definitive first. I remember this one with, like, what kind of Bobby and Joseph were hyping up Joseph's party to be, even though it's not, and with, like, touch dancing and whatnot, and it was in grade seven, I believe, at Mountain View, when one of our uh, female classmates rented out the gymnasium, and we all stood around awkwardly. (laughs) Yes, yeah, 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 because we wanted to dance, and there wasn't, yeah. So... Now, what would consider your first? Because, like, I was, there was girls at my parties when I was in kindergarten. When Are you talking it's about like your you first? Spin the bottle. All right. And like... now it's not, I have to host it, just the first one I went to? Yeah, just the first, the first time where you and your friends went with the intention of something besides jumping on the trampoline and throwing rocks at each other. Yeah, so it was basically we played seven minutes in heaven, but it was more like seven seconds and everyone else stand around the closet and giggle. And they peek in. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty traumatizing. Seven minutes of blue balls. <laughs> hey, man, do your balls hurt? Yeah, mine too. <laughs> Is that sex? <laughs> uh, so anyways, it gets to the theme song. And yes, I see you're making a face. I saw it too. You guys heard that? I heard Did it. Did you hear it? I didn't, I didn't hear anything different. Oh, it's different. I, uh, I have a clip. I just want you to just tell me if you noticed a little something. Yeah, why do you think they did that? I have no idea. I feel like it, like, do you think it was a mistake or? Or maybe they just want to, like, try it, see if it sounded better and. Yeah, just a tester. It didn't sound better. Yeah, it definitely doesn't, right? It's it's not that classic uh, acoustic sound, you know? Yeah, this is something I haven't picked up on yet. But, I mean, it's not uncommon for shows like this to slightly alter their, their intro music uh, from season to season or from time to time. But it definitely doesn't make sense as the 11th season in an, or the 11th episode in season one to be changing it like that. But When it aired, it was the finale. Right, right. So maybe this was the intro to it being changed for season two. Possibly, possibly. So, yeah, I'm excited to see if season two they do the electric throughout or how many they go for until they change it back. Because I feel like they, they didn't use this forever. Like, 
No, I'm pretty sure it just goes back to acoustic. Like. Yeah, it has to, right? Yeah. Because that's a classic that's a classic noise. Yeah, it instantly but not just that about this episode. Um, I noticed a lot of weird things throughout where I was just like, this seems like kind of off. Like spe- like Hank was smiling a lot weirdly. Uh, yeah. People's eyes look different. Like the way that the characters were animated, I feel like they were they were trying some stuff out. It just seemed like it was a little bit different. Like, yeah, like even the scene where uh, Peggy catches Bobby and they do the scream. I loved that. Yeah, I that, loved but that. like that was out of the ordinary. And how how mad Hank gets when he makes that face at Bobby when he catches him in the cupboard. Well, yeah, before that, yeah, yeah, that animation. You're right. It was a little. It felt different. There's a few of those, especially even I was thinking the one where it made me really think about it was when um, Hank went out to the mower to meet the boys to talk about the boy girl party. Just how much Hank was smiling was like unsettling. I didn't pick it up, but, you know, he was so girl crazy, so he probably had some good memories. But yeah, uh, I'm going to have to watch again. And they went really like I understand the Luann bit with the shirt. They changed that up, too, for that little joke where she unbuttoned it. Oh, and Bobby's disinterested because uh, the head's covered now? Yeah, but also, like, I noticed that, and I guess that makes sense because it was a funny joke, and then um, when Peggy had the bag on her head, or, like, the bandana oh, or whatever, yeah. like... When they, she was going out? And Bobby in the cardigan, like, I just thought a lot of people wore some... We- they just, like, went out of the norm for a lot of things. I also noticed, like, the... Uh the part where like Luann's unbuttoning her shirt, mm-hmm. they cut that out of uh, TV syndication. Oh, really? I don't know if it was like because of time or it was just like a little bit too racy, but like it's it's not on TV. Like they just went it. straight from the covering the head to Bobby turning to around, them going to the to Peggy and oh. Luann going to the store. Damn. Yeah, I think that's probably Fox. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice a ton of like. Um, changes in this episode through characters. I mean, I noticed, yeah, they're wearing different clothes, but that happens episode to episode sometimes. But I did notice that about nine minutes and 54 seconds into it, there's like a major animation screw up. And it's when Bobby is sitting on the couch with the with the mannequin head and the two grape sodas. And he realizes that his, that his mom and Luann are home. So he's frantically rushing around. And it shows the scene from behind Bobby when Luann and Peggy walk in. And if you look closely when he's taking a drink, it's actually an Alamo beer can. But it says grape. No. Yeah, it's an Alamo beer can, oh, but it says it? grape. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it, weird. It's weird because it's also like the later animated Alamo can. Like if you look at when the guys are drinking, it's more like a black and white kind of can. And this one, it's the full yellow, blue and red trim can. I thought it was strange. and I. That's not even the only one because shortly before that, when, when Luann is wearing the pink shirt and she brings the plastic head home for the first time and Bobby sees it. And so she's wearing that pink shirt and then she's carrying the head and then it shows Bobby's like point of view and he's staring at the head and you can see Luann's wearing her like classic green shirt and red pants just for that shot where Bobby's staring at the head. So maybe this whole episode is just a little rushed. Yeah, I want to say that some heads definitely rolled for this episode. <laughs> like the uh... <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like they take uh, the realism and the accuracy and the attention to detail so seriously that if we're noticing all these slip ups, like they're definitely something must have been going on. It, yeah, like I tried to look it up and I thought maybe like looking at Jeff Myers and his like resume, mm. I don't 
put the blame on him, whereas I thought maybe it was a one-off King of the Hill director. Gaia. But no, it seems like this episode may have been rushed. And looking at it being that it was the 11th produced. Yes. Um, so when it aired, it aired last. So I thought maybe it w- it aired last because it was having issues. Maybe they were having issues. Maybe they needed to rush it out the door. Um, I have a bit of a theory. It might be a stretch, but remember when you found the do's and don'ts on the DVDs? Was that in? S- it was on season two, correct? No, it's disc two of season one. Disc two of season one. Oh, okay, my theory is kind of shot. I thought maybe uh, something might have gotten messed up when they sent the animation to Korea to be animated. And maybe they've learned from their mistakes and now, like, created rules so this kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. Whereas it may have been a disconnect from the American animators and the Korean animators. And that's probably why there was some mess-ups of the shots. But uh, just, a, just a guess. That's, I mean, it's possible. Like, who knows? I Because well, those do's and don'ts are broken a lot in this first season. So yeah. I was kind of, like, wondering when they came into play and, like, for what reasons. Mm-hmm. So maybe that has something to do with it. I think it's that's that's very likely. I think it's possibly too that they just rushed it. And yeah, I mean that's probably a way more plausible. But uh, anyway, so let's continue on this episode. Yeah. So I guess we're at scene one now. <laughs> yeah, we're at Arlen Beauty Academy with yep. Luann struggling with beauty school. She's informed of the final coming up soon, and she's expected to be practicing on people. Mm-hmm. So Luann gets roasted at beauty school because she, she doesn't know anything as usual, and the teacher doesn't like her, and her other classmates are, like, proper classmates <laughs> and, like, know their stuff. And She just calls her out, too, like yeah. Ms. Platter. Ms. Platter. <laughs> at the end of every sentence. Uh, but it's a quick scene, and uh, it brings us back to the Hill residence where Luann's actually practicing for her exam, and she's giving Connie highlights uh, that <laughs> that don't work. <laughs> no, you'll love them. <laughs> yeah, I don't even I don't know how highlights work. I don't know what that bag is she's wearing on her head. So how highlights work is you put the bag on your head, and then you pull little strands of hair out of those holes, and you dye the strands of hair. So when you take the bag off, only some of your hair strands are dyed a different color. So you you get this nice, beautiful look. You'll love it. Connie didn't love it. And you only do that if you really feel that some strands are more important than others, right? Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. Beauty is an art. It's not something you can learn in school like gym or study hall. <laughs> like the only two classes she ever went to. <laughs> Jim and study hall. And really, if she learned anything in study hall, it would be very, very applicable to right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I guess Hank comes in uh, after she finishes with Connie. <laughs> bills, bills, bills. Why do we keep getting bills mail? <laughs> <laughs> Like, it made me think. Like, I, I took a second. I was like, what kind of mail does Bill get? It's probably just, like, flyers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's all junk mail. <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond coupons. And you know Bill's so sad and depressing that he's probably really waiting for that mail. <laughs> like, for just something to do. Like, just so he can have, like, a minute of busyness <laughs> where he's not standing around watching Hank sit on his lawnmower and drink Restraining beer. Restraining orders. Like, yeah, I see him going to his mailbox. It's like, oh, empty again. <laughs> No, no more undershirts weekly. <laughs> so 
Luann gets the idea uh, to cut Hank's hair because it's getting a little long, and I guess it's been a week since his last trim. Almost. Yeah, <laughs> almost a week. I don't know about you guys, but I go like five weeks between haircuts. Yeah, and like every time I watch this episode, I always mix this storyline up with the one where Hank actually gets long hair. Do you know which one that is? That's the one where his barber goes nuts. Remember? Oh, right, and then yeah, he won't yeah. get his hair cut. Yeah, and he won't let thing. Bill do it either. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't so, bill cut it, and it's like that army contract, so it's like seven hundred dollars. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. six grand or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, Hank. Sorry, Luann offers to cut Hank's hair. Hank walks into the kitchen and sees Peggy with this like ridiculous like bumblebee hive updo. It just looks ridiculous. She looks like a troll, like one of those trolls yeah. toys. I was I kind of thought it was like a Johnny Bravo and Goku mix. Yeah, like, that was yeah. that's how I basically put it together in my head. But yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, what was she even trying? Like, <laughs> so one's look at that, and Hank decides he's growing his hair out. After a week, after a haircut, he likes he likes growing it out. Oh uh, yeah, and I think Luann also offers to dye his hair, and I love that Hank just responds with "You don't mess with success." <laughs> and she, what did she say? She says that even President Ronald Reagan dyed his hair. Former. Former President Ronald Reagan. Yeah, he also says that men don't dye their hair. Yeah, men don't dye their hair, and I found out the president. Former president Ronald Reagan did not dye his hair. You know what his trick was? Brill cream. Just a little dab will do ya. We got some right here. I can smell it. I honestly like. I looked up brill cream and like I watched a review online and like I think I'm gonna go buy some. I have some. If you like, want some. if you got like on you. Well, no, not on me. Yeah. <laughs> it's never far. It's in my hair. <laughs> yeah, I'll just get. I'll put my fingers through. Oh, it, it makes your hair, like, feel and look nice. Oh, yeah. It really works. No, I believe you. I watched an old commercial from, like, the 50s or 60s, and it was just like, get that hair that the girls want to put their fingers through. And it was it was awesome. It was... And, like, my hair is long right now, but, like, when it is short I, and you put it in and, like, comb it, it's, like, you look good. <laughs> and apparently it, it, like, adds to the longevity of the color of your hair because apparently Mr. Reagan's aides talked him out of, like using the brill cream eventually, and basically as soon as he started, his hair started to go gray. Like as soon as he stopped using the cream, people stopped writing about his why, hair. Why did they talk him out of it? Yeah, I don't know. They're not very good aides. Yeah, because like my hair is graying, but like if I put brill cream in, it's pretty hard to see. Mm-hmm. I think it's because Denim he used it like very like he was very well known for using it as an actor and maybe being a president. That his aides were trying to distance himself from the Hollywood. That kind of makes sense actually. But I, I remember one I used to live with Nathan and uh one I have very like thick curly hair and I remember I borrowed a, a hand a gob of brill cream from Nathan one night. Dabble yeah, do. just a dabble do ya. Uh one night before we went out to the bar and I remember putting it in my hair and like combing it back and everything and then I went into the bathroom and had a look after I you know I been like we were out watching a band and I got all fucking I was I, lo- I went into the bathroom and I looked and it just looked like I was sweaty because <laughs> my hair was like in perfect little cur- like some greasy curls and I was like yeah. I'm not for me. <laughs> it does give you that like nice wet look. <laughs> it's funny because I also uh, lived with Nathan and I didn't 
borrow any Braille cream. But <laughs> but I did have trouble opening the bathroom door after Nathan had been using the Braille cream. And I also remember playing foosball on whatever side Nathan had been on. The fucking joint handle sticks are just flying everywhere because they're covered in hair grease. Quick thing about foosball. I remember you get these flyers in the mail of real estate agents. And I remember at Nathan's house, he, he cut out all the faces of the one dude and put them on. That was Ryan's house. Oh, okay. That's right. Okay. Well, he, put, he cut out the face of this real estate agent and put it on all the foosball players. Yeah, Charlie. There's a whole team of Charlie Parkers out there. Uh, uh, another fun fact about Ronald Reagan while we were on the topic. Uh, another trick they learned from Hollywood is that he would wear oversized collars. To make his head look bigger. Apparently it works. Do you want your head to look bigger? He did. If you have a small head, I guess. It also added to him having broader shoulders is another big thing of it. I guess he wasn't, like, a very large man. Like, he was, like, very average size. But people always, like, when they would meet him, they would imagine that he was, like, 6'5", like, 220, when in reality he was, like, six foot and fairly skinny. He was in cowboy movies, right? Um, I'm not sure. Like, are there any, like, big, like popular movies that like i would know that he's in there i think it was called the killing uh he played like a gangster in it i'm not sure yeah i know that a lot of punk bands in the 80s used to use this picture of him like with a gun looking like a gangster like a like a 40s gangster yeah 1964 the killers the, ki- the killers yeah the killers yeah that that's his most known then he's on king's row 1942 uh anyways yeah lots of old flicks because I know his Hollywood career wasn't really, like, just pure acting. Like, the biggest part was he was named the union president of the Screen, screen Actors Guild. Like, that was his big thing for a long time, so I think he acted a lot less. He just liked to be famous. Not to be confused with the Film Actors Guild. Anyways, uh, let's get away from Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's that. yeah, sick of him. So now let's go back to the thing that makes us all a little happier. Hank's mower. You know, it's about time Bobby got bit by the love bug. <laughs> Boy, when I was his age, I was a girl crazy. They called me Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> um, I got a f- couple things to say about Ricardo Montalban. Uh, yeah, the Latin lover. That was, yeah, that's, he, he was, he's quite the lady killer. Oh, no doubt. Born on November 25th, 1920 in Mexico City. He's quite recognizable actor. If you saw a picture of him, you'd definitely recognize him. He's best known as Khan in Star Trek. Uh, both the series and the mm-hmm. film. Uh, he was also in Escape From and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. He was Armano, I believe. Is he an ape? He, he was ape number four, I think. <laughs> Armando from Planet of the Apes. So he's like, remember in the movie where I think it's, they go into the future and then they're in the circus? Yeah, I remember. He's yes. <laughs> he's uh he's the guy who like takes who works there. Like, I think takes care of them. No, yeah, he he was like especially famous in like the forties and fifties. This is in the seventies, um, or sixties, I guess, sixties seventies. Yeah, he was. I think he was like the friend of them of mm-hmm. the apes in the future. Now Nathan's quite the Planet of the Apes fan. Yes, I am. Now, who doesn't like a good monkey movie every now and then? <laughs> <laughs> Hank's pretty excited about Bobby going to his first boy-girl party. Well, it's just funny how, like, 
desperately Hank wants Bobby to be normal and how worried he is that, like, he might not be normal. I don't know if he's worried about him, like, not being straight or just kind of being a weird kid, but, like... Yeah, like... like, Throughout this whole episode, you just see Hank's, like, so desperate for Bobby to, like... He just really wants him to be a normal kid. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so he so he tries to help him out as like as best as he can in any way he can and what he comes up with. Bobby, which bolo tie do you want to wear to the party? The cow skull or the bull skull? <laughs> he chooses the cow skull. I don't know if you noticed later, but he chooses the cow skull. I don't know how you knew that. Uh, well, if you pause and you look the bull has bigger horns the cow has smaller horns and later when he goes to the party he's actually wearing the bolo tie with the smaller horns. i actually i actually tried to make that one of my trivia questions but i couldn't tell which one it was i hands down it's <laughs> the cow you had six <laughs> <laughs> um well i do have a lot of i i, I was kind of curious about the bolo tie so i did i did myself some research on the bolo tie um, what do you, does anybody know much about a bolo tie besides just a couple of leather straps that you tighten up? My uncle wears one. He looks damn good in it. I just know like the brief Wikipedia description I read doing the research for this episode. And I know that my, I think they're cool, but my least favorite quarterback in the NFL fucking wears one. And I hate him so much. I saw that too. <laughs> um, but Philip Rivers. All right. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so they're. Also called bola ties. Um, For women? Bola comes from boladero, an Argentine lariat or lasso. In uh, lasso. Lasso. Um, I think it's kind of like interesting. I thought that they were like an old cowboy thing, but they were invented in the 1940s. After the Wild Wild West. (laughs) Yeah, I know the West was quite settled by that point. The West had been far won. I also saw they were part of like weird British like teddy boy culture. They were. That's them. actually our, where our uncle comes in because our uncle got sent to Canada from England because right. he was rolling with the teddy boys. I got you. And uh, it was like they were. He was getting into fights and stuff. And, and that so was they, like a weird like counter culture thing in it's, Britain. Wasn't it? Well, the te- the best way to describe a teddy boy is like a greaser in England. Like they wore like they were greasers in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gotcha. was what they were. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting to note that in 1971, state of Arizona named the bolo tie the official neckwear. And in 1987, New Mexico followed suit. Yeah, seems like a good idea. <laughs> uh, just, they're just like, no, we're going with the bolos. <laughs> That's it. And somebody's going to tell New Mexico, man, just be yourself. <laughs> You're not going to be Zona. (laughs) You're not even that new. (laughs) Bobby's not really thrilled with the idea of the boy-girl party because he's nervous and he doesn't think he can uh, do it. So when he tells his dad that he doesn't like girls, there's this (laughs) one part that I just found myself howling at. Peg, honey... Close the screen door. <laughs> like he's going to beat him or scream at him. Like he's, like he's, he's worried so the defeated. neighbors yeah. will hear. <laughs> he's worried that Bill's going <laughs> to hear that Bobby doesn't like girls. I thought it was close the door for what I'm about to do next. Like, that's what I took it. Maybe. I just like that it was the screen door. <laughs> yeah, it's not even doing anything. I thought it was funny too. Like Bobby is like for some reason like just so, like, 
sexually self-conscious. Like we he, here in the uh, Square Peg episode, he says he's a little worried about being a slut. And he, one of the reasons that he doesn't want to go to Joseph's party is... Touch dance? I, I don't know. What if I get filled up? <laughs> Who's feeling up, Bob? Hank's just... Oh, God. Like, God damn it, Bobby. Touch dancing. That's the best way I've ever heard it described in my life. <laughs> uh, but Bobby, yeah, his sexuality is so weird because he's so advanced in some ways and so primitive in others. And, like, how does the boy know about chlamydia? And what are cooties? cooties? Well, when I was a boy, that's what we called the germs you got from girls. Oh, you mean like chlamydia? Huh? <laughs> I I I I heard that, and I took to imagine that maybe he learned that in sex ed. Yeah, well, probably in Square Peg. I learned it, but I watched the commentary. Now, for what it's worth, the commentary is probably nothing. It's just the characters of Peggy and Bobby watching the show. Um, I turned it off after about. 15 minutes, about halfway, like was, 10 minutes. What was Bobby's uh, voice actor like um, off screen? Well, like, in character. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. What, or was it not that funny? That's kind of weird, actually. Have you heard it? You've listened to them? No, it's so like, so it's... They it, do it in the voice, and they're pretending to be the characters as well. Yeah. So, like, this is what I was thinking at the they're time. They're in character, yeah. So it's like, so at that particular moment, Peggy's like, Bobby, where did you hear that? And Bobby's like, I saw it on TV. But I mean, like, I mean, I know it's ad-libbed and mm. it's not like canon, I guess. Maybe it is, but I don't I'm, consider it. I'm sure it. they didn't write down what yeah, they were going to say. I wouldn't be surprised if he learned it from like Cotton 2 or something. <laughs> he clearly doesn't know what it is. He just knows it's something. Yeah, because he's 12. And I don't think that's like what they learn at sex ed at 12. Like, but... Especially in Texas. Like. Yeah, you learn that both men and women both have breasts at 12. <laughs> I don't even remember what I learned at 12. <laughs> Hank is still trying to convince Bobby throughout, yeah, this whole episode. Just be normal, go to this party. And uh, he says that it takes practice, right? Luann's right. All you need is practice. You think Jeff Foxworthy just woke up one day and took some funny pills? No, <laughs> he still hasn't taken. He's them. taken the wrong ones. <laughs> Nobody did any research on Jeff, did they? No, but I, I love it because like you could totally see Hank just like loving it. Yeah, like, yeah, no doubt. He's got Jeff's albums in his car for yeah. sure. You know, you're a redneck when the biggest city you've ever been to is Megalomart. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that. I love we get that scene of Bobby wandering the halls, all nervous of all the girls. And it turns into the, uh, like, the anxiety kind of hysteria. Like the, the kind of nightmare kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And did anybody else get weirded out by the, the girls? Yeah, dude, that was so weird, that girl with yeah. three boobs. Yeah. Yeah, and they were spinning. <laughs> there like, was the girl behind her, too, that had three boobs, and they were spinning as well. It was just and, like, and what like, up? the over, like, uh, exaggerated pimples. And I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't look at anything but the spinning titties. Like, I, that was... <laughs> It remind it, it really remind like Nathan said it reminded me of like a nightmare scene in a Simpsons episode. Yeah, definitely same kind of animation style, right? Like that's one thing that like I love about the early King of the Hills. Like they do like at least like three or four in season one have like nightmare scenes, 
and they're always like really cool. And they kind of like got rid of them after a few seasons. I don't know why. They're really good. I I kind of think that the the lack of them separates them as a show from other animated. Like it's a realistic show, and I think that it does kind. I as much as I appreciate them, I especially like them in The Simpsons. I do think it separates it um, ha having a show without them. I think it added to the overall feeling of this episode. I like as much as I liked it. I just felt like it didn't really feel like a felt different in a lot of aspects. You're you're definitely right. The nice sentiment that I kind of found was that like later in the episode, uh Connie kind of comes to the rescue to Bobby where he's he doesn't he's literally like having extreme anxiety and Connie's just like, "Hey Bobby," and it's just all better. She like fixes it. And yeah, want to go eat? He puts yeah. back his Miss Doubtfire lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I want to um, get one. But he asks, I like this because he. This is where he finds out that Connie isn't gonna be at the party. Yeah, cause and I think it was funny that he wasn't like in later episodes he would be like trying to get her to come because oh, like he would, he would, would be want out now if he found out. And he was just like, oh yeah, no, I'm not gonna go either because. Yeah. And he makes up an excuse, but yeah, like he doesn't really care that she's not going. And yet. how how good was his excuse? I thought it was hilarious. Do you guys remember? Because Joseph's got a birthday in nine weeks. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get partied out. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess now Luann gets her head. Oh, I totally yeah. yeah I forgot about this. It's really the thing that kind of kicks off Act Two here. And Bobby makes that. Makes eyes with the mannequin across the room, gives it that gaze. He knows it's on. Well, it's important for Luann because the head is to be styled for her final exam. When she brings it home, and Peggy's like, "Oh, what's that?" And she's like, "No, <laughs> I need it. Yeah, don't touch it." <laughs> yeah, she barges in excited, and uh, she's got that pink shirt. Yeah, back to the pink shirt thing. Yeah, I mean that's all I really got to say about it. It's just that it's weird and. It's like they animated it just to cut the joke out, and they even misanimate it when she's carrying the head and Bobby makes eyes with it. I bet you there was a lot of like flip and flopping of what they were gonna do with that in editing. I think it like I think it's not that funny of a joke. Yeah, it's whatever. It's just it, it, it's a filler to me. It's like okay, how do we end this scene? Yeah, you're right, but I just kind of feel like. It's his cousin, so, like, obviously he's not interested in it. Fair enough. And, like, I just feel like he's, like, the joke is that he's so uninterested in the titties because of the plastic head. But it kind of falls weird because it's his cousin, and that's why he should be not interested. Yeah, it's, like, why are the creators, like, making us think about yeah. Bobby having to make that decision? Exactly. I think that the joke just kind of is falls. That's why I thought it got cut out uh, of syndication is like them trying to get away from like the stereotype that people in the south like marry their cousins and things like that. You know I what I mean? That didn't cross my mind, but yeah. Like I'm assuming that's my thoughts was why they they cut it out, but yeah, it was kind of strange to say the least. It is strange. Like, if it was Joseph, maybe it would have been a different joke because Joseph there wasn't a relation. Not have left. <laughs> no, he there's like wouldn't. a whole episode that revolves around that Actually, a couple yeah, of seasons yeah, yeah. later. But anyways, Peggy announces to Bobby that there's a sale on jockey shorts down <laughs> at the at the Mangalomart, I think. So when they're preparing to leave, 
Peggy asked Luann if she would like to go with her as well. And then Bobby sees it as an opportunity to get some alone time with that fucking mannequin head. So he decides to... Do you remember his excuse? Bobby, buy my nose. Come on. Oh, I just remembered there's an after-school special on. It's about Jesus. Oh, well, you cannot miss that. <laughs> it's like she has to really think about it. Like, well, yeah, that's a really good point, Bobby. Uh, what I noticed is that, like, I'm sure you probably noticed it too, but, like, Bobby was, he was just pretending to play the Game Boy while he stared at the head. So, like, he must have just been plotting this, you know, just <laughs> waiting for them to leave so he could have some time. Yeah, it had been game over on his game yeah. for a few minutes, and he was still hammering the buttons, just thinking in his little head how he's going to be able to pull this off. Like, as soon as they say they're about to leave, he starts hitting the buttons faster, getting excited. <laughs> oh, Bobby. I love him as a character. Just, like, I love that guy. I love him so much because he makes characters I don't normally find funny funny. Peggy's not... An amusing character, unless she's unless Bobby's doing something outrageous, and I think he really also heightens Luann's character as well. Like she's, I don't know. I guess anyone in the show Bobby can make funnier with his deadpan and his awkwardness. I mean, especially Hank. Like Hank's funny on his own, but the, his disappointment in his boy. I kind of want to take this opportunity to make a side note here, just about the series as a whole. I've been, I so I checked out all the DVD specials on my on the season one. And in it, there's a whole bunch of promos for, uh, for I guess, around the time the show was coming out. So it was all promos before the show had aired. Maybe the pilot had aired. But there was a lot to do with, like, the Super Bowl, pumping up the Super Bowl, like, saying, watch King of the Hill after the Super Bowl. And uh, in almost half of them, probably, he says... Um, Boomhauer ain't right. Instead of that boy ain't right. Yeah, like everything was just like Hank was like, oh, I'm here with my buddies. This is Boomhauer. He ain't right, or like that kind of thing. And it was just like, and it was him just yeah, like those. That was the line instead of Bobby. I wonder yeah. like, and I noticed I, besides the first episode, he hasn't said it. And this is a prime episode to say it. And he hasn't said it other than that first episode, the pilot episode about Bobby. I'll say something about, like, the series as a whole, too. Um, I, I watched this interview, like, a, a, like, a couple years ago on um, YouTube. It's, like, on Conan, and it's, like, Mike Judge from the 90s. And he's, ac he's actually talking about – they're actually talking about Beavis and Butthead, but I think it really applies to King of the Hill, too, where he says, like, the children characters in the show, it's, like, one of the only shows you'll ever watch where the children characters actually behave like actual kids. Like in a believable way, Wait, and it, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, they were talking about Beavis and Butthead, but I think it applies. It's exactly like it's probably a Mike Judge thing. Like King of the Hill is exactly the same. Like where it's like Bobby acts like a twelve-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. Bart Simpson and Lisa don't act their age. Way smarter than an actual. Yeah. Like more manipulative. And like, like even yeah. um like uh like a live-action sitcom, like the the jokes that kids tell, it's like never something a kid would say. And like two and a half men. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. like Cosby show, whatever. We do not bring up two and a half men in this fucking clubhouse. All right. <laughs> it just reminded me of that kid and like the things he said. I was like, no. But like the stuff Bobby says and like Connie and Joseph, especially after he goes through puberty is like so <laughs> believable. Like, I, I, that makes me think back to that little fun fact. I learned where that voice actor actually changed. Didn't he? After he went through puberty, they changed the voice actor. Yeah, he used to be Brittany Murphy, and then. 
Then it became Mr. Breckenmeyer. Yeah, anyway, I just I just thought that like I don't know, I think this is just a good time to bring that up. I just thought it was uh interesting that in those promos they said they didn't the they the catchphrase of like you ask thirteen people what they think of King of the Hill, one of them's gonna utter that boy ain't right. And Boomhauer's the most right of them all. He's a yeah. saint. He's the wisest man yeah, in Boomhauer Highland County. Was a da- I think it was Boomhauer. Cause it would, yeah, because it was like after he would mutter something, oh, I see. Hank would be like, he ain't right. So Bobby uh, starts to have a little date with his head. Um, I don't believe this is the Beach Boys. Was this? No, no this Beach is, Boys is a after. catchy little number. Yes, it is. Uh, written by Ray Beretta. It's fantastic. Beretto. Oh, it's Bro. Beretto. Beretto. That's. I keep on saying Beretta because it's a gun, and I'm like, oh, that's how I remember his name. But uh, it's Beretto. You're right. It's Sorry. from 1966. Mm-hmm. Um, do you wanna Do you wanna pronounce it? Descarga Criola. I think the S is silent. Descarga. 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 Sure, I don't know. Um, yeah. That. Anyways. Uh, did we get a definition for what that means or a translation? What did you say it was? Well, I looked up the word separately. So descarga or decarga means improvised jam session, which makes sense to me if you listen to the full song. After a while, it definitely feels like a jam session. Uh, and then Criola <laughs> is a South American sauce composed of sliced onions accompanied by one or more of the following. Cilantro, boiled or pickled beets, boiled potatoes, avocado, chili peppers, and or tomatoes. It looks gross. Sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, sure. It sounds yeah, good. Yeah, Miles hates it, onions. Oh, you're not an onion fan, hey? But anyways, so uh, it sounds like a saucy improvised jam session is the way I look at this. All right. That's funny. Uh, I mean, neither of us speak Spanish. Mm, No comprendo. In the slightest. Except I (laughs) I did go. I did also Google it. I went to Google Translate and I had a look and I found something entirely differently. (laughs) Different. I saw that. um, So I looked up Descarga Mm -hmm. and it said it meant to unload. Or to like, so I meant like, oh, like decargo, baby. Yeah, like unload. Yeah. So I kind of meant that, took that to mean like relax, kind of like laid back. And when I looked up Criola, it said um, basically it's just how Spanish pronounces Creole, which is, oh. um, which is, so if you were Latin, in Latin American countries, they would say Criola if you were of European descent, okay. as opposed to native. So, like, to me, it kind of meant, like, you know, like, chill out, Bro. European dude. Like, <laughs> I guess, yeah. I, like, if you, yeah. That's Fair sort enough. of what I took it as, like, unload. Yeah, well. Just lay back. Dude. I like both definitions. Because yeah, I, I really don't know. It really is an improvised jam session have... that you can just unload I to. should probably ask Joe. Or Peggy. She seems to have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this date that Bobby has, like, man, is it ever escalate quickly. <laughs> he sits down at the kitchen table with this mannequin head, and he can't even sputter out his own name to a fake plastic head. And within a few minutes, he's salsa dancing around the living room, drinking grape soda with this fucking mannequin head. 
uh, before, of course, he's rudely interrupted by his mother and Luann coming back home. Hello, sweetheart. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Bobby. Um, I think the next uh, scene we see after that is Hank walking out to his lawnmower, and Dale, Bill, and Boomhauer are very upset. Don't you Dale, Bill, Boomhauer us. You said noon. It's 12.15. Do you have any idea how long we've been waiting? Fucking Bill. Every time, anytime he says anything, like, I love him and I hate him, and, oh, he's just like... Probably about 15 minutes? Yeah, Bill. Like, <laughs> fuck. It just adds more credence to the fact that those guys are useless without Hank. Like, <laughs> like, and I expect that from Dale and Bill. But you know, Boomhauer. It must be when Boomhauer doesn't have like some hot squeeze on his arm, or he's it's waiting. It's the afternoon. Yeah, so he's he just goes hangs out with it now. He's, gonna hang he's waiting to ditch Dale uh, and Bill. I don't think Boomhauer is actually mad. <laughs> yeah, he's a chill guy. But like, do you think it was just dead silence for fifteen minutes? No. <laughs> no, they were like, Dale was trying to come up with crazy schemes to get Hank out there. Bill was worried. How long do you think it's been now? <laughs> Should we go after him? Anyways, uh, Hank comes out and he starts talking to the guys and he, and he starts complaining about his hair, right? And he's saying that it's getting too long and it scratches scratches the pillow and keeps <laughs> yeah. it up. Has uh, any of you had that yeah, problem? Yeah, I had that problem right now. And your hair <laughs> can't can't see? Come on. <laughs> uh, so Luann comes outside and Hank says, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to keep keep it long, keep it long. And then uh, after she leaves, Bill, Bill starts to feel some compassion for Luann. Yeah, I know. You know, I feel for that kid. I remember when I was starting out as a young barber, I felt so alone. Nobody cares, Bill. <laughs> you can tell that 15 minutes of just hanging out with Bill has really <laughs> worn on tail. <laughs> oh, you know, Bill was just like, okay, I am just picturing Boomhauer sitting there silently. Dale staying there and Bill just doing another one of like, you know what I'm saying? To see salad, she doesn't always have to have salad in it. And he goes back to reading the newspaper, which again is weird. It's out of character. This this episode just also they aren't in front of the the alley like normal. They're all just standing around They're his mower in the yard by the tree, right? The mower, yeah. yeah. Just this episode, just I don't know if they're just trying new things or what, but it's. It's think, a little different. I think part of the reason maybe is because this episode revolves around a weekend. That's maybe why they're in different places wearing different clothes, where traditionally it's like a Monday to Thursday thing. Like, especially with the guys drinking beer, it's always they meet in the alley. But, but they usually meet on the weekends, don't they? I'm not they're, sure. They're at work during the day. I'm not sure. The only episode that we've touched on, I think, so far that revolves around a weekend is they're either in Dallas or camping for the Order of the Straight Arrow. Like, the confirmed ones that we know. I guess, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, see, well, no, actually, no, because this has to be during the week because Bobby's at school. Yeah, this this goes over two weeks. Oh, you're talking about the scene. I thought you meant the whole episode because I was like, no, this this episode goes over at least a two week span because when Luann gets yeah, the yeah, it's like a two weeks till the final exam, and so yeah, I do find it odd too. Like you don't see them in the alley once this episode. Yeah, pretty weird, right? It's a thing before this episode, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, this is this is definitely out of out of order, like or out of like out of sorts, like out of, out of sorts, yeah. yeah, out of character. That's what yeah. I was looking for. It's 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 not the same old King of the Hill range. Yeah, I think they're still like working out a lot of like what the show becomes. 
Do you think uh I like two or three cuz I'll like have it. Yeah, I think you're probably you're probably right. And maybe like yeah, maybe they're getting new people coming on and just like not the same old people yeah, doing totally. the same old job, so things get done differently. And also this being um whether this was the finale? It aired as the finale. So it aired as the finale. So maybe they're just adding more more they didn't intend. Stuff I don't think they to the second season. I don't think they intended no. for it to air as the finale. Okay. Just given the animation quality, seems to me like it's been rushed. Yeah. Like having watched the next episode we're going to talk about, King of the Anthill, like that feels like a good finale. Like that is a strong episode. Yeah, because that again from what I remember of that, that's the one where Dale plants fire ants in the yes. Okay. Um, actually, that's not the next episode, and I think this might be a good time to address that. Uh, the Company Man is another episode with issues. I believe there was issues at the ending, towards writing the ending for that episode. So it was production code 12, like like the 12th episode, but it didn't air until the second season. So it is on the first season DVDs, and because it... It, the it DVDs are production code. This is such a confusing release. King it of is, Hill did, yeah. hey? Like, were they just like, yeah. I don't know. They weren't organized. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't want to blame happens. them. I don't want to blame them. But 13 yeah, is feels... a weird order for a first season as well. So it makes sense if they were just like, okay, well, we rewrote these many episodes, but we're having issues with. I know there's like an alternate ending for The Company Man. Oh. So, like, to me, that says that they had issues in writing it. And yeah. that's probably why they took so long to air it. I also think this is a weird one to have intentionally as the season finale because it doesn't, it's not about Hank Hill, it's about Bobby. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I know it's just like a, a sitcom cartoon, but like, you think about a finale, and like, usually they. You want spice it to be the. Up. Yeah, well, maybe spice it up, but you want it to at least be a good representation of what you're going to miss for the next, till the next season. Yeah, fair, like, fair enough. You want to get a lot of people in it. You want to have a lot of different uh, faces and, like, jokes and get a, a good full experience. Yeah, I will say this is, like, a great episode. It just seems, like, sloppy in, like, many places. Yeah. Or at least I think it's great. No, yeah, you're right. It is a little bit sloppy. And it is great, yeah. Like, I'm, as much as I'm saying it's weird, it's just different maybe just because I'm thinking really hard. Well, yeah, we're taking a pretty deep dive into it. So, like, of course, that means you have to pick it apart, right? But... We all agree that it's a fantastic show, very well done, and like we're nitpicking. But sorry, I do feel like Hank's like becoming more like the normal Hank, whereas like earlier in season one, like say the Hank's got the Willies one, where it's like that doesn't really suit him. Like it's a great episode, but like it just it I don't. I yeah. I don't know. I really didn't like like episode one. Hank was so weird to me. I don't know if you remember episode one, Hank. It's a it's a poor story choice. It's the yeah, that part's funny, but I, uh, that's hilarious. Where he makes that weird noise. That before. <laughs> yeah. That's... No, but I just mean like the fact that it's like an episode where he's been accused of beating Bobby. It's like it's over the top, and it makes Hank act weird, like he normally would not. So, like as an introduction to the show, <laughs> to the episode, to the characters, it's weird. Noise. Yeah, I feel like he he gets less angry as the episode goes on, and he just becomes like more annoyed. Well, exactly, yeah. But it's still an over-the-top representation of his annoyance. Yeah, I, and I misspoke. I said, it, like, I feel like he gets, like, less less angry, like, 
as the series goes on and like more annoyed with the world. Oh, as the series, yeah, maybe that's maybe like, they started the show with the intent of making him like that. Maybe that's why that was the pilot. Maybe they wanted him to be mad. I just like a personal opinion. I think that like the emotion of anger is less funny than the emotion of annoyance. Like if you see somebody angry. I'm not going to be like, haha, look at how mad he is. If I see somebody annoyed, I'm like, look at how fucking <laughs> pissed off he is because it's just a nuisance to him, you know? Like, I like, like that way more. Anytime Bill speaks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'd rather Hank be like, oh, than like, God damn it, Bill. Yeah. Like, you know, I like, that makes sense. I like the more subtle kind of annoyed. But, uh, so yeah, I like the, the Hank that we're getting into. So Mr. Dodrieff generously offers Luan to, uh, he's actually saving Hank uh, a bit of a headache here by letting Luan go down to the army base with him, Fort Blanda, and letting her practice on all the new recruits before Bill shaves their head, their hair off. Yeah, and like you said, before Bill gives them the army cut, I think this is actually like a really good opportunity for Luan because she's got all these guys and she can practice on all these cuts and then Bill just gives them what they need. So it's really like no harm, no foul, it seems like, you know. I, I think it I think this is a good opportunity for her. Besides she's cutting very nice, like middle aged old lady hair cuts on these dudes. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to last. No, no. Bill zaps it off right away. Um the next scene we see is the Hill family having breakfast and Bobby comes in wearing a shirt. And dress pants and, and a tie. And he, yeah, he's looking very dapper and he refuses his traditional eggs and bacon and, you know, hash brown sausage breakfast for some skim milk and a piece of fruit because he wants to slim down for the party. Now, this mannequin has brought just this absurd confidence to Bobby, which is so funny, I find, that a plastic head, like a, basically an imaginary friend, is, is taking Bobby out of his comfort zone with women. Well, just saying imaginary friend right there kind of makes me think, yeah, you know what? Like, that is exactly what this is, and that is why kids develop imaginary friends. Is sort so of develop social skills. To develop social skills, exactly. Like No doubt. And uh, you're right. He is looking quite dapper. And there is a line that, like, this is, like, I, I heard it, and I was just like, wait a sec. Like, that is definitely out of the norm. And... If it was true, the series could end here. See, Peggy? Our boy is perfectly normal. I don't know if you caught that, but, like, that's probably the first time he's ever said that. And, and like, if they didn't take away the head, there would be no conflict with Bobby. Bobby would be fine. He'd be perfectly normal. You think if they left the head until he kissed a girl at the party... And then he wouldn't need the head anymore. But then he would be normal forever? The normal that Hanks wants. I mean, he's not trying out for the football team yet. N no, but, I mean, not everybody is. But just the simple fact that Bobby potentially being heterosexual, <laughs> like, totally evaporates all of Hank's other fears. Like, I'm sure he, like, he could put up with the prop comedy and Bobby's, like, perpetually, like, terrible abilities at sports. But if Bobby brought home a boyfriend, that wouldn't fly at the Hill residence. So... That would be more like a movie and not an episode. Like that would be huge. <laughs> I, I feel like that might be a uh, a plot line if the show was ever brought back. Oh, like to a more modern problems because like now that yeah yeah. Well, good point. 
And it, you're right, that, that confidence that he has, it is actually hilarious. When he's walking down the halls and he's hey, how's it going? Like, what's up, Sharon? Like, you know, Sandy, how's it going? Man, when did you get to be so slick? What do you mean? Yo, Sharice, you stone cold fox, what up? <laughs> That's going to be my, like, opening line. Stone cold fox, what up? You know, at, like, the end of the episodes, like, after the credit rolls, they always have those quotes. Apparently, this, this was the first one. That was the first stinger, yeah, for yeah. Deedle Dee Productions. Um, yeah, and it's it's it runs through for the rest of the series. They always take one line and put it before the or at the end of the credits. And Deedle Dee, is that Mike Judge, or who's that? That's Mike yeah, Judge's? Yeah, that's Mike Judge, I think. Um, but, yeah, I like Bobby with his newfound confidence. Um, until Joseph shatters it with his oh, yeah. explanation of a spin the bottle. He hasn't been practicing for that. No. Oh, yeah. I also say it's, it's a nice touch, like, when he's, like, all confident in the school and he, like, drops his book the same way he did earlier in the episode and he just flicks it up with his foot. Like, I like that touch. Like, it's It's super funny because, like, if you just, like, actually think about it, it's just, like... He was lame when he dropped the book, but he picked it up with his foot, so he's all right now. And that like, the look the girl gave him, yeah, was she's like, like yeah. "You're cool now." Like, I think the only, like, I think that just goes to illustrate the only difference is his confidence. In that, like, her look was probably exactly the same in reality, but his perception of it was just that now he's a smooth pimp. Yeah, like she's still not noticing Bobby. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like what we get though, because Bobby goes and. He's got his uh, Hugh Hefner robe on, his ketchup bottle, and he goes to practice yeah, his on the pocket head. ketchup, like yeah, I, pocket ketchup. I honestly like when he first pulled it out. I was like, "What the fuck is he gonna do with that ketchup?" Because like we hadn't seen the bottle get spinned yet. Like yeah, they just talked about it, but like I didn't put two and two together, and I was literally just like, "What is he gonna pour it on her? Are they gonna eat French fries?" And like, he could have picked a better bottle for spin the bottle, but Joseph uses a ketchup bottle too. I noticed like, that. I was like, really? It's like, like you know, like somebody must drink wine around here. Yeah. Or sh- like, God, uh, there's got to be an old bottle of champagne. I think it somewhere. was always like a two liter of Fresca. Mm-hmm. You look so tense. I have something special planned for tonight. <laughs> His voice. Yeah, it's so good. And then, yeah. of course, he doesn't know- hear Peggy come home and need help with the groceries. Oh, fuck. classic. And uh, Peggy walks in, and like we said earlier, that scream that they do, that extra animated, like, ah, ah, Bobby, Bob. <laughs> Those faces. Oh, man. Yeah, it was funny to see, like, like it was like almost like Peggy's version of, like, Hank's, like, blah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's pretty funny. Like, yeah. yeah. That was definitely so far the funniest moments I've seen with Peggy directly involved with them. Like, that was hilarious. And, like, the scenes of follow after, too, just cracked me up. So... Yeah, Peggy opens Bobby's bedroom door and he's just fully embraced. And I guess like that accent was French that he was doing. Yeah, I don't I love know how he's affecting an accent. Yeah, yeah, Why? yeah. So uh, he was just lip locked with this plastic head, and Peggy's just absolutely mortified. And the next scene, that Hank is pacing around the the bedroom while while Peggy sits on the bed. Like she just witnessed a murder, <laughs> or her son raping. Uh, he, Maybe uh, she needs to flee the country. Oh, like she is just absolutely just. <laughs> and, and Hank's like, maybe he fell on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Hank and Peggy start arguing yeah. about the real reason, and Peggy 
blame blames Hank for the for the traumatic event, pushing him towards the boy girl party, and Hank blames the Muppets. <laughs> You're the one who parks him in front of the TV and makes him watch all them Muppets. They got frogs kissing pigs. What the hell did they think was gonna happen? What the hell did they think? <laughs> and my favorite part is that Peggy suggests they move to Germany, and particularly Berlin, where she refers to Bobby as having some sort of condition. <laughs> I read somewhere that Germans, they're very tolerant people. Their culture admires all kinds of freaks. <laughs> like he's just going to be locked up in like a mental institution for the rest of his life because he kissed a plastic head. Like, keep in mind, people, he's just a 12-year-old kid here. Yeah. Like, of course it's TV, they need to overreact, but, like, I was just like, man, like, that's a, he, this is, they're taking this way out of proportion. He's not that weird. Like, it makes sense in a way. The boy needs it. It makes sense, but it's also, like, I can imagine that, like, being a, they are first, like, that's their first kid. It's the first time they've had to go through kids being Anything. weird and, like, on the edge of puberty. So, like, I could see just them being, like, worried about, like, what the Where fuck to is go? Going like, on? how do you stir, s- steer him in the proper direction? Like, yeah. you don't want to encourage and you don't want to take away, but they, they definitely s- want to take away. Yeah, you don't want to take it away, but like, I mean, you don't really want to like damage the boy. Yeah. And Hank wants to fix it, like fixing a carburetor. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Hank Hank decides that he's going to set the, the boy straight, but soon him and his wife Peggy take some very cautious measures while... <laughs> Bobby, we're heading down the hall towards your room, son. <laughs> it takes him, like, five solid seconds of silence, and Bobby is literally sitting in his room, twiddling his thumbs. Like, that's all he's doing in there, and then... That's us knocking, your mother and me. Come in. Okay, then. We're coming on in. Wait another three seconds. Yeah. Peggy still has her back turned. Let's go for a car ride. (laughs) She turns around like three seconds after the door's open. (laughs) Usually in in each episode, I like to take out one of my favorite one-liner jokes. It was my favorite from this episode. There wasn't one in particular that stood out, but this dialogue between Hank and Bobby in the truck while Hank is trying to set Bobby straight just cracked me up, and I thought it was hilarious. Look, Bobby, I'm as open-minded as the next guy, but just so you know, most states won't let you marry a plastic head. I don't want to marry it. I just needed to practice my first kiss so I don't look like an idiot. You're kissing a plastic head and you're afraid of looking like an idiot? (laughs) Like, at least Bobby's self-aware, you know? Like, he knows why he's doing it. He's not tricked into anything. I just, I think, like, with a little more understanding of the world, Bobby could explain this to Hank in a way Hank could understand. But Bobby obviously cannot, like, he's going through it for the first time as well. Well, Yeah, he's kind of... He can't explain it. He's more like leaning on his dad to just kind of understand or at least shed some light on a situation. And Hank does nothing of the sort, right? I mean, oh, well, like, look at his Hank's dad, too, so. Yeah, like. What Bobby's getting is 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 really nice compared to what Hank oh. probably got from Cotton. Hank would not have survived an incident like that. But also, Bobby could have been a little bit more discreet, I think. You know, the first day, he, he made sure. He almost got caught. But this time, it's right when his mother, you know, is going to be coming home from work or school or, or whatever, grocery right? Shopping. Yeah, grocery shopping. And he's just in his velvet teen red <laughs> robe <laughs> with this goofy, like, tremendously creepy accent. 
Well, yeah, yeah. The first time you are right. He put up the door. Or sorry, he put the chair up the yeah. door to lock yeah. it. He didn't have any of those precautions this time. He's head over heels. He's <laughs> he's starting to make mistakes, and he gets totally plastic busted. head over heels, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. So Hank, Hank takes the head and he locks it up in the top cupboard where Bobby can't get it. And a few hours later that night, in the middle of the night, Bobby has his uncontrollable urge comes up and he tries to bust the head out of the cupboard and he knocks the utensil drawer on the floor and it wakes up Hank. I love that Hank's like eye twitch there. It's like he's so mad. <laughs> yeah, this is like one of those scenes where the animation was just like different. It was like his, the angry face that Hank's makes. Yeah, it was just a little odd, right? Like his eyes were really wide and his mouth was a little bit weird. Yeah, like, it was like in a we, like he was gritting his teeth. And even just like the angle, like the zoom of like his face. You're like looking like, up. In, in the background, you have like Peg in bed. Like it seemed a lot more like sinister. Definitely. Like, yeah, it was like he's really mad. Like it just didn't. Re- yeah, I mean, I guess he was really mad because he did. Grab the <laughs> He did grab the head. Yeah. But like I I can't believe that Hank or sorry, Bobby's still like he's obsessed with the thing. He still kept trying to get it at like you know how fucking loud it is knocking a full drawer of utensils on the floor in a little rancher. He, I don't know how he did that. And it feels like I don't know, like the car conversation was the last time that he lectured Bobby about the head, right? So Well, he lectured him as he locked it up. Yeah, yeah, okay, good point. Well, that's probably a continuation of the car lectures. I guess, but it just feels like the jump from how mad he seemed there to how mad he is now. Uh, I don't know if it called for cutting it in half. I think he was just like, he thought that lecture in the car was like, that was it. Uh, okay. Like, we'll talk about this, and then that's it. You understand. Okay, yeah. And then yeah, he did say, after the party, you can have it back. But he so, doesn't need it back. I know he doesn't need it back, but... Hank didn't understand that. Like, Hank assumed he fixed it. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Just yeah. like fixing a carburetor. <laughs> and it was fun. So he takes it to his table saw. Right in half. I was actually worried about his fingers. They were not in a safe spot. Yeah, good point. Uh, so it wakes everybody up, and he's completely ignorant to the fact of why this head is even around. Hi! Hey! If you if you're just listening to this without watching the episode, you'd think Hank was cutting a human's head in half. Like Luan is just like, I'm gonna fail now. That's yeah, it. that's like really good voice acting by like Luan uh, there. Pretty Murphy. Yeah, I I do like how all the it all kind of culminates in that face that Hank makes of just like what like what An- another weird animation when he does the smile. And it's just like that really crescent moon kind of, mm, yeah. just if, teeth. If you're just like watching the episode, like you don't real really realize that like Luann's none the wiser of Bobby's relationship with the head. Oh, yeah, she then. doesn't know. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> shit, she doesn't know about this. Yeah, she's like, what is going on? <laughs> like Luann, when she first brought the head into the house, Peggy wasn't even allowed to fucking touch it. She screamed. And then like. It's what, a week later? She's no idea where the head is. It's locked up in a cupboard. She has no fucking clue. Like, Bobby's had it, like, for forever. Like, she has no idea where this head is. 
So yeah, like no, like, like yeah, like what? Like I didn't even think of that either until right now. It's like she, yeah, she didn't have any idea. She was, Nobody <laughs> confronted her that Bobby. Like yeah, no Hank's wonder she's ne- failing. <laughs> Hank never was like, why is this house? Why is this in the house in the first place? Yeah, no, it's like yeah. So anyways, Hank's a good guy fills in for the head at uh, Luann's exam, gets an F. Yeah, she circles his head like it's a mannequin's head. And, like, how do you write on hair? <laughs> that looked hard. So she rips apart Luann's work. And uh, what I kind of thought, like, I mean, it was a little thing. Like, of course, it's cartoon. It's got to be funny. But, like, she would have noticed that that was not a mannequin head way before she got to well, chair Well, she comments five. on it. She well, says this isn't uh, She yeah. says this isn't a... You're like, supposed to use a mannequin, not a human head. She would have noticed it when he came in and yeah, sat exactly. down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, well, maybe she just waited till then to comment on I it. I mean, yeah, like... What a bitch. We We Matanya. Anyways, what I've kind of noticed with a lot of King of the Hill episodes is that like, the endings, I don't want to call them abrupt. It's just kind of how they end, where it's just everything has happened that needs to happen. The final thing, it just kind of... I guess what I'm trying to say is that the plots that they have running, it feels like they end kind of nicely where it's just like, okay, they got the three or two plots going on right now. Like Bobby's problem with the kissing, Luann's well, yeah, test. It's, it's weird because like the A, B, and C plot kind of like share the A plot. Yeah, so they so like, kind of yeah, meet and end at the same Bobby, time. Yeah. And then it's also about, Lu- but it's because of Luann that Bobby has his arc and then like Hank is just reacting mm-hmm. to Bobby and he even helps out Luann. So Bobby on his way to the boy, boy girl party uh, almost gets run over by Connie riding her bike and they just talk about the party and how Bobby's been practicing and how Connie's been practicing on her hand too and then they ask if they can practice kiss. And Connie has this line that like just it, she's like, man, that's a cool girl. It's like when she, when Bobby was telling her and telling her about his head. I can't. It's a makeout party, and my dad took away my plastic head. What a buzzkill! Like she just, she just gets it. Yeah, like yeah, like oh yeah, like that sucks. Like Connie sorry. is cool, and she like, is cool. Do you think like Connie likes Bobby at this point, or do you think like she's like feels the same way Bobby does? Just I feel like. Th- they probably do like each other, and I feel like Connie is a little bit more tactful about it. I think Connie's probably, like, more mature, too. That, like, yeah, so, yeah. like, she she's kind of, like, a little bit more, like, not, like, cautious, but, like, she takes it a little bit more smoothly, so she doesn't, like, go all in right away. She's testing yeah, the waters, totally. like, because that first kiss idea was her idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got the feeling that it was a little less on both sides. I thought... I, from just from watching it, I kind of didn't think either was really thought that way. And I thought that that was also kind of what they were going for was like, but I mean, yeah, I, from just that exchange, I thought it was cute knowing where it goes that like, I didn't think they, either of them were at that decision at all. I don't think they did either until they started kissing. And I think that was some perfect foreshadowing for, you know, for their future um, relationship. But it also just... Um, adds to Connie being the only girl that Bobby's truly comfortable with and how she's, like, incredibly comfortable with him now, and they haven't really known each other that long, so. Yeah, and it is a nice moment, but they don't really realize it's a nice moment. Well, to 
makes it a nice moment. <laughs> yeah, to like articulate what I was trying to say a little bit better. Um, they're still, they're 12 years old. They don't really understand feelings that well. Like, this is probably, you're right, like their first kind of affection to another peer. So they're feeling these things. They don't know they are. So, but like, again, you, you feel like it's like, oh, they maybe don't think they like each other. But you're not going to offer to kiss somebody that you wouldn't want to kiss. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, there's a reason that it comes up, and, like, maybe they don't know it, but I feel like it is underlying, like, it's there. So, yes, I do feel like they, they like each other, but don't know it. That's how I feel. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I also feel like that moment with, like, um, like, Bobby and Connie, like, toward the end there, like, since it was, like, a nice kind of moment, I think that's why they wanted to, like, end it at the party they want to like with the horror scene kind of parody like i think they want to end it on a laugh rather than like like kind of an emotional end yeah because like honestly they could have just not gone to the party and hung out that day yeah like they totally could have ended it there i guess yeah connie had to go home for prawns i forgot but uh <laughs> no you they're getting cold but you're right you're right they, they could have ended it there but i think they wanted the laugh yeah, I well, I mean, regardless of if a laugh or not, I do think there is something to the fact that he didn't kiss. I mean, I guess we should just say, like, he goes to the party, spins the bottle, it lands on Nancy while she's, like, arguing with Dale about the kids having hanky-panky. Oh, yeah. And then Bobby dives in for, uh, like, in slow motion for a kiss, and Na- Nancy's name, yeah. screaming in yeah. horror. So, like, and it just goes to credits then. But I do think that, like, that is far better than I didn't think that until you said it. That that is far better because it does emphasize he did get the kiss. Clearly, he doesn't kiss Nancy, yeah. but like I like that it doesn't end on a kiss from another student, even yeah. to be like, oh, I didn't like that or something like that. It's like he had his kiss. Like he like the whole episode is now complete because he's done it. He's had his first kiss and. Yeah, no, and it's cute. I like it. I really, I think that's good. Yeah, it's a great end. I love it. Yeah, no, it it is it is really good. And like, what I kind of am trying to understand is like, does Dale want them to kiss or not? Like, I can he doesn't want them to kiss, right? No, no, no. But Nancy doesn't care. Nancy's like, let 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 them be kids. I don't know if kissing is hanky panky. I think they're worried about what happens after the kissing. I thought hanky panky was just like any but, any, any fooling around. Yeah. I thought hanky panky's anything. But like Hank and I don't know, I think Hank and Dale are completely removed from what an actual twelve year old been the Baldo party is. Bobby was like the most confident one there, right? Everyone else was sitting there with their hands in their pockets. Well yeah, Hank was but again so like Hank was pretty into the idea. That's of, why I was confused because I thought that they were both like, oh do you remember back in the day and No, like, I think Dale was like no kissing. But I think Hank was like, yeah, they you can better little, watch them because they're going to be doing kiss- smooth. Like, yeah, like have a chaperone. But does Dale not make a comment at the beginning about like Joseph being like a lady killer? Though? That's what I mean. It was like I was kind of I was just kind of confused. He's on what like, Dale oh, wants. I bet he takes it from his old man. And then John Redcorn rolls up. Yeah. So like I was confused. He, he does. Except that's why Dale needs the chaperone. Okay. It's because he knows that Joseph's a lady killer. Guy, yeah, he yeah. needs to be watched. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Okay, that makes. Okay, well. And Hank, so so I guess it just also does show the fact that Hank is worried that his son's not going to get no action, so he wants to speed that process along, whereas Dale is worried his son's going to get too much action, and he, he wants, wants to, to it dampen it up, yeah, dampen yeah. it down. Yeah, okay. Yeah, which is... 
probably pretty accurate to like what happens in the future. Well, I mean, like Father Like Son and John Redcorn's a fucking <laughs> hot. Yeah, that's right. So that brings us to the end of the episode, and this meeting is coming to a close. Before we finish off, I just once again I want to thank uh, our creative consultant Nathan Littlepond to for coming for coming over on the big boat and yeah, spending so some much. time with us and giving us your thoughts. And uh, I was hoping that maybe we could get some just final thoughts, you know, overview of the episode, just how you felt, like anything that really, or maybe just, or maybe even like. Your thoughts, like if you got something you want to say about the whole show in general. I know you're a, I know you're the biggest fan that I know. So yeah, it's just take the floor. Okay, well thanks for having me, and uh, I definitely like hope I can come back on like more episodes in the future. And as I'll just say like why I like the show, and like this is a great episode. Um, it covers like a lot of Bobby and um, not much else other than Luann. So like it, it is missing some things, but like. I feel like the characters are like really relatable and like um it's it's like hilarious but it's still like kind of like heartfelt like relatable undertones and like um I love how like um I feel like a, a lot of us like probably like especially as kids like like watching like these shows like probably like wish and like maybe when we were kids thought we were more like Bart Simpson mm. but like we're actually more like Bobby Hill you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean like yeah. <laughs> and That's like a good point. I feel like our like a lot of us like thinks like oh our dads are like more like Homer Simpson but like they're probably actually more like Hank Hill so yeah, like no doubt in many ways like I feel like this show but thankfully my mom's nothing like like um, Peggy <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but like, I feel like in that way, like, the show is, like, so, like, set in reality. Yeah. Without, like, and the, they never, like, sacrificed the the characters for, like, the sake of a joke. Yeah. It's, like, they always act in a believable way. The jokes come from the conversations, right? Yeah. And, that, and they're it's talking like about real things. A situation yeah. comedy in its purest form because, like, the joke always comes from the situation and the characters never go beyond their abilities to make it funny. Yeah. And like I think that's why it's like such a great show. And yeah, thanks for having me. I love the show and I'll be on more, I'm sure. I'll give that so, a Tanya. Yeah, one more round table with Matanya. Matanya. Beautiful. That was nice. Can we go out on Rock Me? Yeah, I think I got, so. we gotta get ready for our own boy girl party coming up here. <laughs> There's not going to be any touch dancing, is there? <laughs> Search the world for someone I'll never find Someone
Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.